All right. Welcome to Culture Class Podcast, a podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. My name is No Sayari and welcome to another episode. Today I'm joined by Amit Rathore. How do I pronounce your last name? I'm sorry. It's Rathore. Rathore. Amit okay. Rathore. Mm-hmm. Amit yeah. Rathore. So how's it going? You're in California right now, right? What part of California are you in? Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm in the Bay Area. I'm in San Mateo. And today is a nice day. It's been a bit chilly, but not uh, half as bad as parts of the country. So I'm, I should be uh, thankful. Right. Yeah. Some parts like Texas and I think parts of the East Coast are, you know, the, the storm that's sweeping through the East Coast or whatnot. Um, I'm in Denver, Colorado myself, and it looks like a thunderstorm is about to start outside. So uh, apologies to my listeners if you hear like windows breaking or anything. I don't know, like it's a whole like cars are moving from side to side outside. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can have a nice, quiet conversation in the meantime. Uh, okay, so let me talk to you a little bit. So Amit, you're in the startup ecosystem out there uh, in the Bay Area. Um, you're, you're an author, you're an investor, you're a founder. I think from what I gather from your background, you've pretty much done everything in the startup world from the investing side to the operational side to the advising side to the board side. I don't know, what, what haven't you done in the startup world? And we'll probably get to, you know, your your journey in that area and everything. Uh, but let me ask you, like, what's your background like? Um, where are you yeah. from? Or where are your parents from? Uh, how did you sure. find yourself uh, in this space? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in India and uh, moved to the country when I was 22. Moved first to Chicago, where I ended up, you know, doing a lot of consulting work. Uh, Monday to Thursday sort of thing. You fly out, you fly back in um, week after week after week. So that was fun when I was young, you know, in my 20s. But I did get to see a lot of the country and, um, you know, visit a lot of different types of uh, corporates. And, you know, that was interesting. That was a lot of fun. Um, But, yeah, I grew up in India. I mean, I grew up in India. I did my engineering school uh, in Bangalore and um, moved here after that, pretty much after that. Bangalore is pretty much the tech capital of India. Does that mean that you being in Bangalore, you know, studying engineering, you always wanted to be in startups and things like that? Actually, that's uh, a good, uh, you know, uh, it's a it's a good uh, observation on my life. I I have to admit that growing up, I kind of you know had the Silicon Valley dream in my mind. I was a techie, you know, nerdy <laughs> techie, whatever you want to call it. Nice. Uh, growing up and. Uh, you know, my parents obviously were, uh, uh, my dad, uh, uh, again, he was, uh, he is an engineer also. I, you know, so I guess we were influenced, me and my brother. So I had certainly wanted to come here and to, you know, in growing up in India, reading about, you know, the Bay Area and all the cool tech companies that were really building the future of, you know, progress, I thought at least. You know, I have varying opinions on all that now, but back then it was absolutely, you know, where I wanted to go. I thought the future of, um, you know, the human race was, uh, and I think it is still in technology and many, many other things, but uh, it was very exciting for me to think about coming here and being a part of it. And so I ended up doing that. That's what happened. Right, right. And what were some of these companies? I mean, not to age you intentionally, but what were some of these companies <laughs> <laughs> that were popular uh, while you were growing up? I know it's fine. I'm, uh, I turned 40 last year. So, you know, uh, it's fine to ask and um, you know, those companies back then, when I was growing up, you know, in India, I didn't uh, 
have uh, back in the day before nine, uh, 95, you know, this is before the internet came out in 95, roughly. Well, that um, was early. Yeah. So I was pre internet and, uh, you know, during the internet and reading about companies like back in the day before that, you know, the famous ones, Silicon Graphics, if you remember those guys with their oxygen machines, O2 machines, I think they were called or whatever they were called. And, the, you know, so I was geeking out on these things from back home, back in India, back home. But, uh, you know, uh, dreaming of coming here and doing all these cool things. There was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, hard, more harder engineering uh, sort of focused uh, stuff back then, I think, you know, uh, although I was always in software myself. I mean, you know, I think there was more hard engineering going on uh, in those days. Right, right. And you said you moved uh, to Chicago or you landed in Chicago when you first touched down in America. What mm-hmm. was how was America like in the mid nineties compared? I mean, you've lived here now for, you know, almost two decades or about two decades, like the America of the mid nineties and the America now. Uh, so two, two separate questions. Did the America you read in all those magazines fit the description? Uh, did it live up to your standard and how has America changed for an immigrant that moved here in 95 over the last two decades? I will answer from 2003 when I actually moved. I was just saying that, you know, I was, you asked me which companies and I was referring to those days in the 95 times when the internet first came out when I was still back in India. So I moved to Chicago in 2003 and, you know, I I landed there in May, okay, of 2003. I remember this. And I got out of the plane, got to the airport, you know, got out of the whole thing, came outside. And I was like, this is the coldest place I have been to in my life. (laughs) Oh, Chicago in May, I can believe you. Where did you land? Okay. Ahead, okay, and this was in May, so I had no idea what was coming, you mm-hmm. know, that like whatever that winter. And so, uh, you know, that was my introduction to uh, Chicago. It was, you know, beautiful city, obviously. And I lived there for uh, many years and uh, made it my home base, traveled in and out of O'Hare. O'Hare was, you know, my friend and enemy for many years. <laughs> um, and uh, many airports were actually during those days. I don't really miss traveling, to be honest. I'm happy to not travel as much, but uh. Yeah, it was. Um, so to answer the second part of your question, what was it like when I first moved? I think it was pretty much like what I expected, you know, because I hadn't, I wasn't really seeing deeply, you know, I was not seeing deeply enough. I had just landed there. I was still young. I was 22 years old, you know, and everything looked like I had seen them, seen it in the movies, right? And, uh, you know, so it was all very cool and very, you know, so I hadn't seen deep enough that it was just a facade, mm. you know? And um, that was, uh, back then, it was just all, even now, I mean, you know, you cannot definitely see the good side and bad sides of life, but uh, it's a very, the system was not clear to me back then, right? It Mm -hmm. all seemed very um, much like what the promised land was, right? It's a meritocracy and it's all those things. And it still is, but it's much, much, much more difficult than, you know, what, uh, what it seems like to be from outside. Right. The, the American PR machine. Right. So so would you say over the years, like on a macro level, you know, um, would you say America has gotten better for you? Obviously, you know, you, you've had you know, your own slice of the American dream, but just, you know, on a macro level functioning in the American society as an immigrant, would you say is gone better over the years or not really? Mm-hmm. I would. Uh, so here's where you will find me speaking very contrarian to most people, perhaps. And in my opinion, when I look at what it is right now, I'm very obviously privileged, right? I can't say that I suffer from 
most of the problems that I will speak about, but I see them because I can see them, right? Mm -hmm. And the problems, uh, if you look at what America is, what is it, right? What is it? And it's just an idea, like you said, PR machine, right? They're, they're, they're you know, sharing something online about what America is, but, um, or offline. But, um, I mean, just look at it, right? There's a pandemic, and one in three children are hungry right now in the world's richest country. And you look at the number of all the, I don't even need to go into the numbers, but like just the, uh, you know, just the raw situation of, all the problems that we face, very, very real problems, right? Would you expect that to be in America? Like, I mean, I don't know if you were born here or not, but for me, I, wasn't. I was not. Mm -hmm. You weren't either. So to me, when I, I wasn't born here, right? So I have this idea of America, right? And perhaps everybody does. But my idea of America growing up was that it's this really amazing place where everything is efficient and blah, 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 right? And everybody gets uh, part of this plentiful you know, that's prosperity that America is, the world's biggest economy. Right. Right? And you don't, when you say, when, you, when I'm in India, when I was growing up, and somebody says, this person's from America, you don't think, oh, they're struggling to make ends meet. Right. Or that they're hungry. Right? You don't imagine that. True. You don't imagine that to be part of, like, 50 million people's lives in America or more. Right? You might say, sure, there are poor people in America. You might say that, you know, to yourself. But you wouldn't think, like, 14 million kids are hungry right now or something, some number like that. Right. That's like crazy things, right? That to think about like that's America. Is that America that you and I thought about when we first came here and wanted to be a part of? I, I mean, think it's, not. It's funny. It's funny you say that because you know I'm Nigerian. When I talk to people back home and I say, "Look, it's not all roses." You know, you have this uh, thing where you know, as an immigrant, you have to kind of like help people back home. You you send money whenever you can, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And when you try to talk to people that hey, you know, like you don't pluck money on trees here like it's not as easy as you think they're like what are you talking about then come back like people at home that they never get it so ultimately you just like you know just like okay they don't understand i just keep moving on but you know i can see how you know for different uh, types of or classes of immigrants it's like it was not all it was painted to be in a sense um but let's talk about your start in the whole i mean you're very very deliberate in everything that you did leading up to moving here in 2003 well how did you get that start like a lot of people move here and they end up going to like you know the popular schools so they can build their network and maybe eventually get into a startup what was it like for you like what company did you start with how did you start that journey? Were you recommended? Did you apply? Did you use your consulting expertise? Did you just go jump in and start a company? How did that go for you? Yeah, that's a very, uh, so I was lucky, obviously. You know, I would say that uh, I was very, 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 very lucky to meet the people I did in my journey that helped me, obviously, right? That's why, you know, my, my basic uh, currency for the world is just to kind of see how much you can help. And that's what Awake is all about. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. No, but a uh, lot of people uh, helped me in my journey. And the first one would be the, uh, you know, the founder of the company that I ended up with in uh, Chicago when I was very young, 22 years old, like I said. And, uh, you know, he had, there was a small company out of, out of Chicago, a boutique shop, not so big now, probably, you know, it's, it's much bigger now. It's uh, probably well known uh, as well, more than it was back then. We were 200, very small company back then. It was called, it is called Hotwork artwork like thinking and it's a kind of a boutique consulting shop so very high end i would say in terms of the like i said boutique you know super high end in in terms of like the skill sets and very specific niche kind of not like general general software it's like you know you you it's like geeks in parachutes you know you fly in you <laughs> take care of like a very 
yeah, it literally kind of was that. And it, I learned the art of uh, software building and uh, business uh, solutions, I would say, you know, uh, in that firm, because they are very solutions focused, very customer focused, very much uh, about the outcome and uh, very little about the processes. And, you know, they, were, they taught me the value of things like collaboration over contract negotiation. You know, if I can cooperate with you, where is the need for contracts? Right. The contract negotiation comes when we fundamentally don't want to cooperate. We want to have a contract that defines the boundaries of our lives and existence and so-called freedom. Whereas there is life, there's nothing called freedom in life. It's about the ability to cooperate with anybody you want in the world and move ahead and make value and be yourself and be free because you don't have to do it by yourself. Right. This is a fundamental realization that, uh, you know, I had over the last you know few years in particular and, you know, to my meditative experiences and other things that taught me much. And it finally culminated in a wake. But it, it started with ThoughtWorks, which is a very, very nice way to. And I recommend it for all kinds of folks, you know, from interns to students to, you know, early my 20s, uh, all the way upwards uh, in your 20s. Definitely, you know, a good boutique consulting shop gets you lots of experience around the world and around the country or wherever or at least in different types of things, because that's what you need. You need a variety of ideas and thoughts and peoples and cultures and, you know, business models and what have you, food and different places. You know, it's interesting you say that. So where are you? And, you know, I like to ask the entrepreneurs and people like that, like you, I guess your own school was working for this consultant shop, but a lot of immigrants like, or a sizable number of immigrants, like when they move to the Western countries, um, a lot of people do it through school. So people go for grad school and things like that. What is your take, given that you live in the Bay Area? What do you think about grad school, you know, particularly like MBA degrees and things? Do you think it's still valuable, especially given how expensive schooling can be in America? Do you think, hey, just get your hand dirty and go through the school of life? Like that's a better way to learn uh, instead Absolutely of sitting agree. in the classroom kind of thing. 100% agree with that. I, I don't have a, a graduate degree. Not that I did not want it or whatever. I, uh, I'm fortunate enough that I was, you know, I didn't get to any school I applied to back in the day for scholarship, you know. So I couldn't afford to go to any school. So I didn't bother and I went, got a job and then, you know, they sent me here, which was lucky, like I said, fortunate. And then they, the founder of the company just, I asked him, I said, hey, you know what, I'd love to just, you know, learn more and do lots more of this consulting thing and learn a lot more. I can't do the same thing back home. I'd love to stay. He's like, sure, just stay here. He just like one one email to HR and it was done for me. So I was very lucky, uh, you know, uh, in that uh, way. So I want to pay, I always have kind of tried to pay it forward in whatever way I can. So, um, but to answer your question about MBA school and stuff, you know, it's um, 100% waste of time, right? And of course, uh, uh, you know, the only thing that matters is the network, like you said, but the network can be made because, you know, that's what the internet's for. I mean, it connects you right. to everyone. So what is the use of uh, some paying, you know, whatever it is to charge you there? It's ridiculous. So maybe having, internet, an MBA, maybe having an MBA beside your LinkedIn profile uh, will, will get you just connections faster. I don't know. Absolutely correct. So here's the simple fact of life. And this is, these are all like, you know, uh, you know this, right? I don't have to make it like it's some profound thing, but you can, you either work for somebody else or you work for yourself. It's very simple. Life is so simple. Okay. Either you work for someone else and you're dependent. I asked my friends here, you know, and everyone has lots of money. It's not like people don't have money, right? People work for Amazon and all these places. And literally they're working all the time. And not that they can't take off and whatnot, but they won't because they are working for the man. They have all these ideas of what they want to do in life and this and that, but they never do it ever because they're stuck until someday they will do it. 
Yeah, and that's they're, not they're, they're the ones like, registering all those domain names without <laughs> without actually using them, right? Well, that's absolutely uh, that the, the city of lost hopes and dreams. Like just like in uh, you know, you go to LA, you'll find everyone's a, an actor or like a scriptwriter or something else, right? Not really what they're doing there. You know, they're never that. You know, they're always got this dream in their eye. You know, so even freedom is like that. You know, happiness is like that because people don't understand it. If I say what is happiness, you nobody has a definition. You know, there's a state of being, blah blah blah, in the dictionary. The question is, how do you get it? And the question is, nobody can get it because it does, it's like a ghost. It's an idea. You know, it's interesting you say all that because I'm going to talk about your spirituality. You seem to be, I mean, from my little reading uh, up on your profile, you seem to be a very conscious person, a person that's, uh, uh, that, you know, holds spirituality near and dear to him. I mean, you even named your venture capital firm Awake. I mean, that has to, to kind of like mean something. But maybe before we talk about the spiritual side, let's talk about um, Awake for a little bit. So um, you're, you're the founding partner of Awake VC, Awake Venture Capital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you... it's actually stands for Awakened Value Co-Creation. So it's a private oh. equity firm. I, you and, know what? Uh, I was going to ask that because I wasn't sure you describe it as a tech-enabled private equity 2.0 firm. But mm-hmm. I, I, I was going to ask that. You don't really see a lot of private equity firms in California. All the PE firms are in New York. Like, why private equity? Why not VC? Because VCs is one of the big scams of the uh, Silicon Valley side of the world. Why the two percent management fees or or what? No, 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 not at all. It's like this, you know, the folks that can't do teach, okay. you know, so the people who can't build anything go and try to make other people's money come and work for them as if it's like some great thing to put other people's money to work. But that's not the same as teaching, is it? It does take some skill to deploy capital, no. Look at the VC returns. What, are the, what do you think the average returns for the venture capital class is? We, Take have, a guess. So many, we have so many venture capital. No, not the funds. I don't mean fund. I mean as an asset class. As an asset class. Venture... I know it's below the stock market. I know it's below the SMP. So if it's already performing below, then mm-hmm. what are the hell writing home about? Let me tell you the answer. It's 7% returns. Seven. It's horrible. Okay. And so you're basically what, losing like money. Right. Mm. So you're losing money, putting your money into these people's, right? So what exact on average, right? So if you... Think about that for a second. I mean, what do you, what, what does one has to, what to conclude from that, right? Most we have, we have capital, so many venture capital firms, though. Is, is it possible, like, uh, the people at the other end of the bell curve are, like, pulling the people on this end, and, like, that's what's making the overall industry have such a low level of return? Of course. Because it's easy to start a VC. Like, it's not as regulated as, uh, you know, hedge funds and whatnot. Like, it's not as easy to start a hedge fund. But if you have, like, I don't know. Even if you have like $10,000, you can decide to start a VC and just get a cool logo and start networking. So the thing is, yes, precisely. So we, I look at it differently. Awake is about value co-creation. And as a private equity firm, because I treat everyone as a co-creator. So when we do something together, we co-create value. And that's how the world works. The whole world is a single universe. And this universe is connected all the people into this world, right? That's what we mean by universe, everything together. Otherwise, there's nothing called the universe. So if we all agree that there is something called the universe, it means that all of us are part of it. There is no like, I'm not a part of the universe, you know? I don't believe everyone's connected in this universe. You can't say this universe because that just means everyone's connected. So there is no two ways about it. We're all connected in actuality. So what the world represents today on the internet is not that. It doesn't represent a single 
internet. It represents Facebook and Google and all these separate big tech companies and DoorDash and Uber and everyone else who is basically extracting 30, 40% from everyone else, from all the small businesses in the world. And even wait, big. wait, what, uh, wait, let me, let, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you short, but I'm, I'm trying to understand what you're saying. You're saying the internet is not the internet, that the internet operates as different ecosystem created by all these fan companies, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and the rest. Is that what you're saying? Isn't it true? When I say internet, most people think of Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon, etc. And when you build a company today, you think about deploying it on Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And as I just said, these people, all big tech companies, their take rate is 30, 40, 50% of your economy because DoorDash, Google, Apple, Facebook, they're all taking 30% minimum from your PL straight off the top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean about in it, Apple's that. case, I can see that, but like Facebook or Apple or Amazon, they don't have like monopoly over the internet. They don't decide what happens. Maybe Google to, to a certain extent, but like Facebook and uh, Apple and uh, so Apple, these few companies in the handful, maybe the 20, 30 companies totally in global, like TikTok, you know, Baidu's, uh, Baidu and, you know, all those Tencent companies. And then, you know, your so a handful, maybe 20 companies in the world control the internet basically today. You're saying right? that they, they, they are coordinated behind closed doors. That's what you're saying. No, 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 not at all. I'm not saying there's anything nefarious. I'm just saying that these, these companies are called big tech because they have the biggest network. And for you as a business to get exposure, you know, you just go to Facebook, right? You start buying Facebook ads or you start doing whatever. Okay, because that's, that's the most, right? So that's the most convenient way or whatever it is, as we all know it, of right. doing business online, which is what? If you buy ads or you do anything like that sort of thing, you're getting a conversion rate of, what is the average conversion rate online? It's about one. That means that Facebook and Google and all these guys are charging you 100 times more than what they deliver. You pay them a million dollars, they will give you a conversion worth $10,000, correct? That's what it means, 1% conversion. We're talking in the broad sense now, right? And not I'm talking in specific sense, which is that if your conversion rate in your company is 1%, and if you're running a successful business based on that because it covers your costs, whatever, your margins, your cost structure, whatever, and the amount you spend on Facebook doesn't matter because at the end of the day, you're making money and you can scale this, which is what most companies and businesses are, cash flows, then you keep pouring money into Facebook and as much as you do, 1% makes you lots of money and you keep running the system. So it's not general, it's specific. Isn't it more efficient than television and billboard arts though? Like, I'm I don't know about any of those things. I'm just saying, but... this is the current, look, if you go and search online, you do this, I've been in this space for the last 15, 20 years. So online conversion rates are about one, which means that for every 100 people that go to the website, only 1% of those people buy. 99% of people do not buy on any given set of 100 people. That's what it means, this math, right? right? So when you buy traffic, if I buy a million views, only 1% will convert. That's what it means. And out of that million people, when 1% convert, the 10,000 orders are more than sufficient for me to cover all my costs and therefore I make money. Right. So I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. All I'm saying is Facebook is operating at 100% when 100x inefficiency. Now, there is no alternative. So therefore nobody says anything about it. Like you don't even think about it. Because what are you going to do, right? It's not something we can really do anything about. There's Carry no on. alternative to what? Internet or services like Facebook? There's no alternative to services like Facebook where you're marketing, you're, you're spending money to market to people and get certain conversions. Any online marketing works at roughly 1% or 2% conversion, right? So any online marketing works at this type of a model, right? You're driving X amount of traffic, 1% converts to a purchaser. Right? Some people will stay on, half of it will bounce. Then some people will stay on, visit a little bit, then they leave. 
Some people will add something to cart, then they leave. Some people will add to cart and move to the next page, then they leave. Then some people will, you see, it'll keep going down until 1% goes through all the way and makes the purchase. So this is the normal flow. And you as a marketer keep buying traffic in whatever way. You either buy it or you do some partnerships, do some organic stuff, you write some articles, whatever, which doesn't cost money, but resources, or you do some other, you know, growth hacking, whatnot. But basically we're driving traffic online. Right, and this traffic converts at roughly one percent. All I'm saying is, there is a huge inefficiency in the system, but that's okay for them because there's no alternative for people, for businesses. Right? Like, what what else will I do? How else do I run my business? How else do I uh, drive sales? I have to market. I have to go buy ads, like you said, maybe television. At least this is better than television. So hey, let's do it. And that's what's happened for the last thirty years. No problem. I'm not denying that. However, remember back in the day when the internet promised and open access, it said, there would be nobody in the middle. We would be able to trade or do business with anybody in the world. Isn't and that you happening don't have, now? But the, what is the cost of it, you see? The mm. cost I just mentioned, if I deploy an app, which I'm teaching you my teachings or whatever, right, some business wisdom or podcast, so if I want to monetize it, and I put a paid price on Apple, they'll take 30% straight. Yeah, Stripe gets a cut, Apple gets a cut, everyone gets a cut, right? 30% Apple, 30%. Stripe takes 3% for processing your fees. Apple doesn't take that. So in the Apple ecosystem, they take 30%. On top of that, for you to have your podcast discovered, you're going to have to spend on advertising, right? Otherwise, out of the billion podcasts, how will they know about yours? So in order for you, and then you hope that some of those, and how do you monetize the podcast? I mean, you're hoping that it's subscribers. So, so you're in that game. You're driving, you're playing, you're you know, playing their game. You know, They take 30% no matter what, right? So that's the point I'm making. The internet was meant to be open and free, but it's not the case because the business model of most people involve optimizing their own networks at the expense of the internet as such, which is, there's nothing called the internet, right? It's an open thing. So it's like the jungle, open. Anyone can do whatever. So Facebook built Facebook. They bought dot, you know, WhatsApp. They buy everything. They're the biggest giant in digital media. Right, and you have Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon. Mm -hmm. Same thing, same story on all sides, and that's you know, what they mean by big tech. You, you know what? This is a very interesting view because a lot of people I talk to, and even me myself, I, I do believe like the internet is kind of like a, a leveler, like an equalizer of some sort. Because if you go back to you know Roman times, or you know even not even as far back as that, if you go back to maybe the 30s or 40s or even 50s, like if you're not part of a certain class, if you didn't have access, if you didn't have money, but you know today, you know a kid can sit in his room, you know code something, dream up something, sell his product do something and you know earn some money or you know gain knowledge or everything yes 100 percent agree 100 percent. then two things come to mind if that's the case right the first is then what the heck is all this conversation we keep hearing in the media about inequality why is that why is that if you are saying to me that anybody can be free they just go to the internet get everything I mean, because problem here? I mean, because human beings will be human beings right the, the, the internet is a tool um it can to an extent, give you a shot to, it can be like an economic equalizer, but it doesn't solve things like, you know, racism or classism. It might even compound those other things while giving people you know my the view? opportunity. I'll give you a highly contrarian view. I say there is nothing called racism. There is only economic injustice. Because to be honest, because if you go and ask, uh, you know, Kanye West or you ask Oprah, 
They don't know what the hell you're talking about. And by the way, do you, do you think no, Oprah hasn't faced racism even though she's rich? She's rich or Kanye? No, 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 no. It's not that. Do you, do you think her position gives, uh, no, 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 protects listen. her? It's like this, right? The difference in protects her means what? In what way is she being, uh, you know, hurt? First of all, other than in her, you know, sensibilities, right? But if you're see, what is racism? Two things. One is prejudice, and one is racism, right? Prejudice means that you know you you have a prejudice. There's no uh, you know, you know the difference between prejudice and racism. Racism I requires do. a right. It requires power over the other person, right? So Oprah Winfrey has nobody has power over her, uh, right? Okay. In what way uh, does uh, today, if she walks into the room versus some other person? I'm I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure racism always requires power over you. Like you don't. I think prejudice is when I think racism is has to do with action. Uh, if if I'm getting this correctly, like both have to do with action, right? You have to do something in order for the other person to notice that you are being not normal, right? Yeah, you can so just be inherently require... prejudicial, but like racism has to be like an a certain act towards someone who you deem exactly. You know. And you must have the capability to impose that action on that person. So, for example, if I say you will not get this job because I control it, and then I can, you know, use my prejudice to no, exert but, that but power. But you're thinking, you're thinking on a very high level, like you get, controlling a means of production and having money and all that. Yes, that's Perfect. still racism and everything. Absolutely but even if, even you. if, even if I'm on, in a lower class, I can still be racist towards someone. Like if I agree. I'm, if I'm a, a security guard, for instance, and you drive your Bentley, like you're rich, richer than me. That's a security guard. But because you're black and I'm white, I say, you know what? I'm not giving you access, or I'm not opening the door. I'm delaying you like right. I'm I'm acting in racist ways even though I right. don't have I agree. you know so here's the here's I agree with that so here's the thing right like we're since we're talking at a high level mm-hmm. there are two kinds of things systemic racism and like just this idiotic racism right? right this example is an idiot who is doing that right so that's an idiotic racism situation it's not a systemic problem systemic means where you actually have this power law situation power situation where a whole group of people are being systemically you know, controlled in some sort of way. Anyway, my point is this, right? If you look at history and you look at civilizations, this is not a unique problem. It's been multiple colors in multiple countries all over the world, multiple times. It's happening now. Yeah, different, different forms. The there's classism, there's tribalism. There, there are a lot of isms, not just racism. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to say. Totally understand that. I 100% agree. But if you look at the mm-hmm. common denominator of all of it, even Martin Luther King and everybody else talked about it, it is economic justice, not just for the black man, but for all man, because they know that this system is today they, the elite, so to speak, the ones in power. They will use any distraction, including class or your height or whatever it is, to divide and to control the conversation and to distract from the real issue, which is the means of production. The elites don't even need to do anything. It's just inherently human nature. I don't know. Like even in a, in a pack of lions or something, like you always see you know, groups forming, like whatever ecologists explain, whether it's, you know, some group is trying to mate and this is the head of the pride and the other is the hunter. And they always form, everyone forms in groups, but like... So this is where capitalism seems, yeah. So I like, how does that, how does that lead to you saying you don't believe racism exists? Like, I don't understand. In the sense that systemic racism exists in the economic terms that we're all talking about, like reparation, like you just said, no one in this generation has experienced, or you didn't say it, but I can say it, no one in this generation has experienced the type of slavery that was they're talking about. It's good you said the type of slavery. 
Yeah, all, because it's all, obvious, all right? form of slavery still exists, right? Can we agree on that? I'm telling you that employment is itself slavery. Mm. I'm telling you that the tech elite have created the biggest form of slavery that, right. that exists. Right. I'm telling you that the feudal system is alive and well because the means of production is Facebook, Google, Apple, and Facebook, and all these places, the mm. internet, which the means of production on the internet are these tools that are, right. you know, and these tools now are networks of people and they're controlling that, right? Right. And they say it's a social platform, open, free, but it's really not, is it? And it has multiple effects, not just on economics. They've created these crazy rich companies here, but obviously not uh, cannot get vaccinated. You, you, people are you know, hungry and everything else, but hey, we can get on Facebook and talk about it. So, I mean, you see the difference between action and talk is very apparent also, isn't it? Because we experience the action here. This is pretty interesting. What led you down this path to to develop, I would say, this level of consciousness? Was it a particular incidence in your life? Was it a, a, a plethora of things that happened of you just observing <laughs> different things in your environment? Well, what yeah, led very to specifically, this? Uh... Uh, after I sold my first company, I was, you know, 33. And it was the whole dream of being here in the valley and doing all that and paying the price along the way for everything, you know, because when you're maniacally focused on one thing, which is, you know, like, for example, being in the valley, selling something, being a, whatever that means to you, um, you tend to make compromises that you may or may not uh, like later on. And, of course, all that happened, but I thought it was worth it. And then when I uh, got what I wanted, it didn't give what, me... What do you mean compromises? Can you expantiate on some of those uh, as far like, as Like, you, you know, can... you work very hard, for example, and you don't care about so many other things, relationships, there's that, so many mm -hmm. other things that you don't pay attention to because right. you're maniacally focused on just one thing. Right, so everything else falls to the wayside. You don't keep in touch with your friends or whatever. And I mean, many people go through different. Maybe people, people go through relationships break up. All kinds of things happen, right? But and people say it's worth it because they're career focused or it's important or whatever. And then they they want something from that, you know, when they get that next thing or whatever they're looking for. It never happens. It keeps going. And for me, when it you know came to this point, and I went through some you know. Um, similar experience that I didn't get, you know, get what I was hoping I would get. It, and I was, I grew up in India as a very, very much a non-religious type person, you know. I wasn't like an agnostic, but I wasn't, uh, I was, you know, uh, open-minded, but I wasn't, you know, religious can, anyway. Can, I, can I pause you right there? Can, can you see yeah. how even that situation is kind of like a privilege in itself? Because you talked about growing up in India, thinking that America is like, you know, heaven and everything. You came here, you were kind of like a little bit let down about what you saw. You went through all those sacrifices, you know, built your businesses, sold your businesses, but you didn't still achieve that level of satisfaction that you thought you would achieve if you fulfilled this lifelong dream of yours working in Silicon Valley. Is that what is that what's leading to this contrarian view that oh if I spent my whole life believing that this is the path I have to follow and I've done all this by the book and I've gotten to the end point just to see that there's no golden door waiting for me maybe I should totally flip and start thinking the other way is that is that a, correct and that, a, and that happened and then I went extremely deep because I was a, and I just referred to my background there as a very rational you know non spiritual type person because I was an engineer you know. I would write code. I was very much focused on science and, you know, totally not to do with any spiritual stuff or religious stuff. So I was at a point where it didn't make sense. It was a rational failure of the mental model because I grew up thinking that in this way, I will be successful and happy. And it was not the case. And a lot of things that happened and I was just like, what the hell just happened? 
And it was a very, you know, like one of those things where, you know, we sit around dinner tables and we talk, about, you know, drinking wine, whatnot, you know, is, is this real? Is this any of this real? Um, so when you got to this realization that, you know, um, you know, it was all for, for nothing, if I could, you know, summarize it like that, like, what did you do? Like, how did you seek out to, you know, attain that level of consciousness or, you know, be closer to... I'll tell you. What did you do? Yeah, I'll tell you what happened to me. It was this, uh, I was totally rational, as I said, you know, I was totally the scientific type who was only about coding and about this engineering mindset and this whole technical thing, whatnot. And, you know, there was no place for non-rational thought in my mind. You know, there was no question about anything else other than causality. If this, then why? Right? If this is the way it is, that's the way it should happen. I mean, that's how we, you know, that's how we code, you know, that's how engineers think. It's a very specific, structured world, you know. And that was a total not functional model at all in that moment of dark despair. And like I said earlier, it was not one moment, it was like years, I mean, not years, but months of like, what the heck just happened? Because, you know, what the hell, 30 plus years of life right. and all that. So I kind of, uh, you know, went deep into this introspective mode of trying to see what else is wrong about my model of understanding to the point of, you know, asking, sometimes we sit around the dinner table and have conversations, you know, with wine and whatnot saying, are we living in a dream world? Are we living in a simulation? You know, is this real? Like the matrix. Huh? But Like something, but we are not able to answer the question because the answer is not there. And we just move on to the next day as if nothing. But this time I was so much down in the dumps in some sense of the word that I just couldn't stop thinking about like, you know, just everything, you know, just being suspect, can't rely on it because it's wrong. You know, my whole life was like, uh, not based on some model that worked. So I was like really suspect of everything. So if you come down to it, I asked myself, do you really know if you're waking or dreaming? Hmm. And my answer to myself was, I actually don't know. It's not about you not knowing or somebody else not knowing. I only didn't know it. So I was like, well, I mean, well, I mean, what, the, what does that mean? How come I don't know it, right? So I started to read everything I could about it. And I discovered in this process, Buddhism, and I discovered in this process Hinduism, and I discovered in this process what is called as consciousness. And I discovered that everything I thought was wrong. And I discovered in that process what is meditation, and I discovered many things about, many people call it spirituality. But for me, it was this process of really trying to understand what the heck was going on. And it was this unraveling of, in a sense. And then, then I kind of dropped out in a sense from the world for a couple of years, you know, and sort of did a bunch of things. I was traveling. I did went to Europe for a whole year, um, doing some stuff with a friend's AI lab company, whatnot, some incubation stuff, just random stuff that I... Which a lot of people uh, do after they sell their companies, right? Yeah, I didn't have any definite plan, you know. I was just sort of uh, drifting in some sense. I was trying to find some meaning again, in some sense, I would say, you know, because... After having fully stabilized myself in this uh, new found, I would say, way of looking at the world, I just needed to kind of uh, find my purpose, I suppose. And I was just doing that. And then at the end of that whole journey, I ended up starting Awake VC, which was how early long, 2019. How long, did, how long did that take? Uh, you, you know, traveling and trying to find yourself? The whole 
the whole thing started in 2015 and it uh, you know it was almost a four year i did a couple of companies during that time too it's not that i wasn't doing anything it's just it wasn't um the same and it's just a transformative process of uh, discovering so much about you know reality frankly and about yourself or of what you thought of as yourself but uh, there isn't really that uh, something to think about what you are is totally unlimited so let me ask you this question and you know apologies if it sounds a, a little bit rude but is awake vc an excuse to get you distracted that okay you know what um i i i need to get off this and you know start doing something again and and this is what uh this is my comfort zone this is what i know startups let me start awake and jump back into the rat race or did you come to some realization or did you find yourself that then when you yeah then led you to start awake vc cuz if you found yourself like i'll imagine why private equity like that's the i will tell you that, why that's where a lot of people try to leave when they find that's themselves right. why coming back into Correct. the industry i'll tell you why because awake vc has to do it right awaken the value co-creation the world is an abundant place there's an abundance you know and the world is viewed through the lens of the scarcity economics is a study of scarcity and incentives that's what they say in the first opening paragraph okay so when you think of the world world economics or business you're thinking in scarcity terms because that's the definition that's what economics means right okay. supply and demand is fundamentally its scarcity is a required thing why is bitcoin so expensive because there's only 21 million bitcoin scarcity right it's only the limited quantity that can create a so called business what if there is nothing called scarcity what if you can have anything you wanted what if you are not limited at all and what if you can have this abundance so are you trying to change the system from within is that is that your goal 100% so awake has developed the technology to disintermediate the big tech guys we have technology to from the within from inside the internet change the way the network functions which means today wait, wait. Are, you, network... are you competing as a private equity company or as a vc aren't you supposed to just invest in companies that do that are you yourself now building a product that's competing with the facebooks of the world or walk me through it yes so awakened value co-creation 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 we co-create with people okay. if you start a company with awake then we give you a lot of technology that you don't have to build and it's for free because we built it and it's available now what type of technology it's the internetwork of all networks internetwork of all networks today what exists on the internet is all the different networks facebook social network media network payment network delivery network this network business network and so on okay. so everything is a network you have a personal network you know your school network your office network your family network everyone's a part of many 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 networks So the world is a network of networks and the internetwork internet was meant to open up this way of accessing for everybody on any network to talk to anybody else on any other network. When you say any network we're just limited in limiting things to the internet right we're not talking about merging right the spiritual and the physical right or is that where you eventually correct. want to go to merge the physical let's, and let's spiritual. Let's start with just the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh man I'm we'll sure you're going to Yeah going to be having a lot of listeners tweeting at you man like what are you trying to do again? <laughs> correct. So if you read and go through it I've even started writing the book about how how I went through my journey 
Okay. And uh, the whole awakening process, I call it eye realization, just like iPhone, eye realization. So okay. you can actually read it and you can see that I'm crazy. But uh, the point is that the technology makes it so that we are a virtual layer on top of all other platforms. So we, 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 we start to live our online personalities and we don't have the need for our physical bodies anymore or something. Is that what you're and trying to these, Yes, and the money flows through this network. So all the transactions will now get for free on our network and you don't have to pay 30-40%. So how do we live? Like, doesn't, like, I understand what you mean by economics, like, you know, things are scarce and everything, but isn't that what makes life valuable? Like, it gives us purpose to, to work, whether that's going to work or working on the business. It gives us purpose <coughs> to, like, build relationship. If you say you want to yes. interconnect all networks and we should embody this virtual being, and that becomes a new reality just to achieve the aim that, because the present system is broken in a way. How does that solve the problem? I don't get it. Because we are a human-to-human -human operating system. What exists in software doesn't actually exist at all. What actually happens on Facebook is that software is taking 30-40% of the money, even though people are doing all the work. In the end, there are only people. So we are a, yes, we are a digital network, but we are an analog network because I connect every person to every other person, and I pay people for what people pay each other for. If somebody buys a big box of brandy for $100, and uh, you know there's 40% commissions, today, who takes that commission? The distributors, big corporations, big tech. So in the new world, it will happen to people who actually made that sale happen, whether they were talking about it on TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else. Well, isn't that the isn't that working together? Like you're a farmer, I own a, a wagon and someone else owns a store. The farmer right. can grow the crop, transport the crop and, and, and sell right. the crop. We're, we're splitting the work and splitting the profits. Like, you know what? You grow the crops. That's what you do. I transport it to the market. Someone who owns a store, you know, puts it on a shelf for sale. And if it sells for $100, we all share it according to a formula Precisely. that's been preset. Yeah. So how is, so your, is, how is your stuff better? Because now with the digital technology, anybody can promote and buy and sell anybody else's product across the universe. And what about no IP? What about ownership? What about um, uh, patents and intellectual property? What about trademarks? No, no, no. Like, I'm talking about buying and selling of items, for example. Yeah, but what about making that, the items? Like if I make a laptop, no, no, don't let, I let have the right to that, to, the, to that IP? No, you do. I'm not... No, of course you do. I'm saying when buying and selling. You see, okay. what it means is, let's say you create a laptop and you have, uh, you know, $1,000 price on it. Mm -hmm. And what is your margin? Let's say it's 30% margins. You have to pay your people this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, you are paying, uh, how much is Facebook going to take or pay, uh, Amazon going to take from their take rate, rather not, not Facebook, but Amazon, when you list it on Amazon for electronics, do you know? It's, uh, for various products, it's, two, you know, as much as 25%. You know, so it ranges 10 to 25 percent. Why not just create a competing like if you're, you know, so antagonistic against Facebook and Amazon, why not just create a competing product, like create your own e-commerce store? Like Amazon wasn't the first e-commerce player. Correct. Facebook wasn't the first social network. Like I'm trying to marry like your you. um, your 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 decision about Facebook and Amazon about the human race. Like what does one have to do with the other? Simple that uh, in the case of uh, the old world. When you do business, you have to prepay the platform, which is Facebook. 
or any other platform like Facebook, I'm using it as a catch-all, you're paying these big guys to drive eyeballs so that you can get some business and make some money. In right. the new world, people will do this because they want to and they like what you're doing. And then they get paid 20, 30, 40%, which normally gets paid to Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon. Is that efficient though? Like Highly if, efficient because if, you if will I pay wanna... millions of people no, if I want to like, let, let me break this down, like from what I understand, right? If I want to yeah. have a, a hamburger, for instance, I can go to McDonald's because I know they sell hamburgers. If I want to have an ice cream, I can go to Dairy Queen. I know that they sell ice creams. Now, what you're proposing is that everyone is selling hamburgers and everyone is selling ice cream. How will I step into the street and know where to get hamburgers from or like when, do, when there like are no you, silos? Like same thing. You will do it today. See, when you go today and do a Google search, you will get many, many, many results. Which one should you get? It's based on reviews. Those reviews are also totally gamed, actually. If you go to Amazon, all those reviews are fake. So who do you actually trust? You have to find trusted resources for influence. That's why the influencer economy will become the future of the e-commerce economy, because people have to help you find and get things of value. The machines are not going to do that. They're already gamed for their own makers. The networks are optimizing for themselves, not for you. Only people optimize for themselves and for the people they know. Are you saying people aren't biased? I disagree. People are not, not biased, but they use profit, profit motive to help them. See, it's a question of making money, right? So if I make a system where if that, I help that's everybody, the thing. I that's, make more that's, money. That, Hold on. That's, that's if the I thing. make more that's money, it. one sec. If okay. I make more money helping everybody, then that is the most efficient thing to do, not make less money, right? You see, that's the thing. You're thinking that all human beings are driven by money. Like not everyone is driven by money all the time. That's why humans are irrational. That's why humans are biased. Making yeah. money and being efficient might be the right thing to do if I'm selling a product, yeah. but I just might yeah. decide to give that product for free if I see a hungry kid on and the street. And you can still do that. I you might decide to put a discount if it's my birthday. Like I can act you irrationally. Can you can still do that. That doesn't, that's not incompatible. What we are basically saying is that the profit motive, which is the invisible hand, drives much of economic activity because that's the definition of economic activity. So this economic activity or the economic engine is existing out there in the world. It's called the invisible hand. It's called the profit motive. And it is captured today, 40, 50% of it, 30, 40, 50% of it, on the digital economy by these big companies. And now we have a way to unravel that so that communities of people can add value to each other. Like you said, relationships. When you say we, and you're make... talking about the technology that Awake VC created, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Awake VC technology, yeah. Okay. Awake technology. So it's free, it's free technology, right? It's and free, it's like oh. kind of like, Yeah, it's free technology for everyone to use. And now not only can you, you know, create um, your own you know, destiny in terms of how much you make online by just doing regular stuff like promoting the things on Facebook or TikTok or whatever that you do already. But what money do you make? As a normal person, if you only have 10 followers, you can't make any money. Right. But here you can suddenly. You can put, sell to every network you're a part of because they will need trusted people to bring them the best of things that you know, but they don't know about. So what is it? Right? How, do, how does someone participate? Do you need to sign up? What the, how does yes. it work? Like I'm a podcaster, like sell it to me. Like I'm, I'm interested in this. I want to, you know, monetize my influence, however little that is. Like, what do I do? Yeah. So as a broad, uh, you know, online operator, as I said earlier, the model is if you want to grow your business through marketing, it's a, 
pre-pay model. You have to pay to play, okay? To listen, or there's advertising. Okay, there's only two ways, right? Unless you have some other ways to do it. Or you're selling something directly, right? Like you're selling some sort of car or widget or book or whatever, right? Something. Yeah, there are actually so, a bunch of ways, but I'm interested in what like our VC has to offer. Right. So normally, the way you promote your goods and services that you're hoping that other people buy requires a prepaid marketing effort. That's how the today's marketing world works. The affiliate model is a good model to look at. But the affiliate model as it stands today on the internet is broken because it uses cookies, which is going to go away thanks to Apple. And it doesn't track really the whole journey, just the last click. And in general has a lot of problems with overrides and things like that. It's a very, you know, that's why you find very few people or very bottom of the barrel kind of internet people doing a lot of affiliate marketing and things like that. Because it's meant and it feels like a bit scammy and, and spammy, you know? You're trying to sell and you're trying to do all that. So people don't like it. But affiliates in general is a good model. If you look at network marketing companies, you look at MLM, all these different models, some of the world's biggest companies have been built by leveraging the network effect, including Apple, Facebook, Google, Amazon, et cetera. So the question is, can we leverage the network effect to not pay the platforms upfront, but pay people after the sale happened correctly based on their actions, whatever that action was on any platform of the internet, whether it was Facebook or Google or Twitter or any other thing. Is this possible? Today, the answer is no. With us, the answer is yes. You can deploy an incentive scheme to anyone on the internet and make sure that Wait. as sales happen, yes. No, no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just. Uh... As sales happen, you are able to split, let's say 20, 30%, whatever you're offering, to two, three, four people, whoever it is, who made that specific sale happen across the internet. Somebody might have put something on Twitter. Somebody promotes something on Facebook. Somebody puts something on, you know, WhatsApp with their friends group or something. And people, as they are going through that customer journey, you know, discovery and engagement, and then finally purchase, we are tracking all of it. And people who are actually driving that traffic and driving those purchasers, they get paid, postpaid, in real time, in a wallet, any currency in the world. What type of wallet? Regular, like PayPal, like an e-wallet. So are you saying Awake VC has its own wallet now? Yeah, we've launched, a, we're in the process of launching the entire end-to-end -end digital infrastructure for internet companies because that's what right. I did all my life. Right. I mean, I don't see how this doesn't already exist. I mean, I get you saying, hey, like if I have an Uber code or a Robinhood code or whatever, like if I introduce people, I get a cut, but Robinhood gets a cut. You're trying to you know, uh, eliminate the middleman, which is, is Rob, no, no, no. wait, no, I, I'm that? saying, I, I know yeah, you're, yeah. you're trying to eliminate the middleman, which is Robin Hood and say, okay, the whole value should go to me since I'm the one doing the heavy lifting and doing the, doing the work. But I'm saying a version of that exists. I can tell my brother that, Hey, or, you know, even let's even use parents. Like you have people who's, I don't know, maybe my mom sells shoes, for instance, she has a small shoe shop somewhere. And she's not really internet savvy. And I am internet savvy. I've been to her store a few times. I'm her son. And I go to that store and I take pictures and I put a free uh, ad on my timeline. This is not sponsored marketing or a sponsored post or anything. Say, hey, my mom sells shoes at 14B XY Street. Please visit yeah. us to buy some shoes. And people see that, oh, these are nice shoes. And they actually come yeah. physically to the store. Like Facebook didn't benefit in any of that. Yeah. So how, how is this your model and how is Awake not becoming the new middleman that it's trying to eliminate in Facebook and all these 
because if you're talking about digital wallets wallets and everything yeah. like doesn't it flow through a wake being the creator of this technology i mean there's somebody has to provide some technology right like if you want to take payments you have to use visa mastercard or something right like you have to use some right. you know something some some tooling has to be there it's not that you know you can do it without any tooling so there is tooling there is software you still use facebook right you still post on facebook you still post on twitter and facebook and all all i'm saying is when you post on something which then ultimately leads to a sale happening why don't you get paid for it so let's say there's a persian carpet which has $2000 on commissions today wayfair takes the whole amount right if you buy it on wayfair what if you were to able to share that particular link about this carpet and everyone can share and depending on how the buyer i went to your link then a month later i went to my link somebody else's link and then a week later i went to some third person's link and then i purchased why not these three people get paid the $2000 as opposed to wayfair or uh, or not wayfair wayfair is a, is a seller but as opposed to facebook or anyone else i, I have two answers i have two answers right. for that i mean from my farming analogy like you know what i said earlier one person has a farm one person has a truck one person has a store like facebook has a has a stake as being an enabler of that sale like if they didn't create the technology they have no platform to put it on so they enable yeah. the sale in a way so they deserve some of the profit because yeah. they are the they truck do. in the in the farming instance that 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 sure. that's one sure. um but yeah, they, okay, they do the deserve. Why not? Um, so what's the other one? Okay, what's one? I'll answer that. But what's the second one? Uh, the second. What's the second one? I I lost my my train of thought there. But okay, I was let's take say... the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So take the first one, right? They did build the truck. I have no uh, issue with that. And when Apple and everybody built the trucks, and they still do, when you use their apps and they you put it on the App Store, you do get some upside, right? You when it was new, when there was only ten apps in the App Store, and you put the eleventh app. You got everything for free because you didn't have to do any work. There was only 10 apps. But when they became 1 million apps or 2 million and now 4 or 5 million apps and Google App Store has 10 million plus apps, just because you are on the App Store doesn't mean you get any business. Mm -hmm. So now you're driving that customer acquisition. You're paying, right? You're paying. It's not free. Facebook appears to be free, but it's not. Right? You're paying. Second, when you do, a, you know, like I said, uh, something like a podcast or whatever, they're taking 30%. So when the truck driver takes 30% of your business, I think you will try to find a different truck driver, right? It's okay to pay the truck driver something, but not 30% because he doesn't deserve 30% of the business. So the question is of pricing and the question is of a free market economics where because they happen to be a utility-like utility monopoly, they're right. able to charge 30% and get away with it. And I'm saying that you can disaggregate them and make them price efficient. So, so why not just do that by building your own platform and charging less? That's what I'm saying. Like right. you, you do I, as in you're trying to, because because if I'm yeah. I'm trying to be like if I'm in the body of a listener, right? And I've been listening to this interview from inception. Like I, you said, oh, you know, you 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 had this vision for yourself, being an engineering student wanting to go abroad. You ended up going abroad, but you saw that that didn't give you fulfillment. You went to look for yourself, and when you looked for yourself, you came back to that thing which didn't give you fulfillment. Then you then went on to talk about racism, which is another topic, and then coming back, like you're saying all these things but you're not it's not a different model like you're just replacing it's, it's facebook you just seem you to be replacing facebook which uh, uh and i'm not saying facebook in particular i'm just saying big tech with your stuff which is awake so like, i'll tell you the difference the difference is that hundreds of millions of people get a job like we are now powering for people in india and other parts of africa and many many countries where we are live where now people are earning more than living wages by the system we have created. Whereas in the previous case, 
That doesn't happen. These people are sitting at home suffering. Are you and saying no Facebook? Are you, are you saying Facebook and YouTube doesn't create a source of employment to millions of people out there or or thousands? Are you, you saying it's not? A, versus... Are you saying that jobs like being a YouTube creator that was non-existent 20 years ago, or being a drop shipper, or, or Facebook marketing consultant that have been created now, that those those are not directly are linked to those platforms? Those are those are good, but now we need more, right? We need like after pandemic. After pandemic, we've right. had so many job losses. Right now, I need to create in the next two, three years, 100 million jobs, right? How am I going to do that? Or you need to create, or society needs to create, people need to create. So how are we going to create 100 million jobs in two or three years? And the answer is, because I only take 5% or almost zero, what happens is I don't need to make that new marketplace. There are going to be hundreds and thousands of new marketplaces where other people are now charging you know, the same as what Facebook, Apple, Google charge, but they make the 25, 35% extra that we right. don't take. You see, hundreds of millions of I people mean, will now suddenly get jobs. I mean, I agree. I mean, I agree with the problem. When we started the interview, I, I agree with the problem, but I don't know if I'm totally sold on your solution, to be honest. Like, let me ask you this. Do you have staff working for you at Awake VC? Oh, yeah. Like, for example, let's take our uh, big, uh, the first major. No, how, how, how many people right? are working for you? I just want to know. How many people? About close to about 50 odd engineers and about uh, totally the team is about close to 100 people. How, how did you recruit these people? Like what, what are they? Because if anyone is joining the company, right, they have to like see the vision. Okay, what's the company trying to achieve? Okay, I think yeah. I can be part of this. What are you telling your employees that you're trying to achieve and what makes them come to work for you? Yeah, so like I said, we are going to create 100 million jobs in the next two to three years. 10 million new companies and all of them on one click networks that now let people become a village, like an online village together, a community, right? right. That does uh, all the things that need to happen, but no extra cost has to be upfront. Everything happens post-paid. Like you and I have an idea, let's get going. Let's start to create value, let's create some media, let's start to tell people, we'll pay everyone who drives value for us. And everything happens digitally. All they need to do is tell their people, their friends, on how do they do it? They post on LinkedIn, they post on WhatsApp, they do the same things that they're doing today, but now right. we'll pay them. Hundreds of millions of people will pay, all in real time, globally. I mean, the, the, those are those are like, how do you get there? Like, hundred million jobs is a lot. I don't think any company in existence as or ever in history has ever created hundred million jobs. I don't think any country in existence has ever created hundred million Nobody jobs at one at one given time. Yeah, no one has understood the internet like I understand it. I've basically right. re-aggregated every protocol on the internet and re-implemented the software. Yourself. So now with one click, our, our companies, our people, my how design, did, How my did software. you do that? Did you hack the World Wide Web Consortium or how did you achieve that? No, we don't need to. We built our own standard, right? It's just an open protocol. Right. So when we connect, like if you go to v.online, that's with a V, that's our cannabis network that we have launched now in the US. Oh, now, now you guys are... From... Oh, so now it's cannabis, like it's... It was like we have over 40 or 50 uh, networks launching right now. These are all just networks. These are all software networks that connect people in different okay. industries. So oh. the weed oh, industry. This, this, so it's like a, a it's like a cannabis Facebook page, like a cannabis community online. That's what you're trying to say. But it's not restricted to Facebook. We sit on top of Facebook and Google and this and this and this because at the end of the world, it is a people network, right? So the people. Like you and I. I mean, this already post- exists. That's what I'm saying. Like, if I'm a Michael Jackson fan. I'm a Michael Jackson yeah. fan. There, there. Let's say there are 10 million Michael Jackson fans out there. 
like we're all connected to the fact that we all love Michael Jackson and we can all sing beat it back to France and we know when Michael Jackson was born and we know his birthday. Whether we choose to express that fandom on Facebook or through the Michael Jackson website or through the Twitter right. or through just talking with our friends that, wow, do you love Michael Jackson? I'm forming a Michael Jackson club in school. Right. We're all still connected to being a Michael Jackson fan. So I don't see... But you don't make money when... Right, but you don't make money doing it, right? So, for example, let's say that you're right. a Michael Jackson fan and you right. like to post every song that you're listening to. What if every song somebody clicks, if there is money to be made, why don't you should make a portion of it? Or should only all the value of you putting content on Facebook only go to Facebook? Right. Should pay, Facebook not pay you anything at all because you made them billions of dollars? I mean, you means collectively. There is no... <laughs> Nobody there. There's only software. So software, yes, of course. They should be at back driver fee, yes. Take a percent, two percent, five percent, whatever you want. But to take thirty percent when everybody is suffering, it's like our friend Ted Cruz going to Cancun. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be easier it's to like, just? Dude, like wouldn't you, wouldn't uh, it be easier to just form a, a, an advocacy group or a lobbying group to tell Facebook to reduce your percentage? How will that, that work for you? How's that been? That, going? That, that, I'm that building going a whole you? new internet because I'm not I'm not sold. My friend, like, have you recently heard the news about Fortnite? And you don't have to be sold. You can start using it because you can start making money in multiple networks right away. So I, I heard about I it. heard about the Fortnite right, but, and Apple thing. I heard about. And right, that's, so advocacy gets you nowhere. Point is, it, it actually that did. Guys, Apple Apple has reduced their 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 percentages on their app store. That's great. But, but now you below don't have one to worry million, about it. you don't have to do it now. You don't have right. to do it because now you don't have to have them be in the middle of your payment network because we have a better solution. Right. Technology doesn't stick static. The future is not Amazon. The future right. is not even Shopify because let me tell you what the future is. The future came from Amazon. Amazon said, oh, here's one mall for everybody. And now Shopify came along. By the way, Amazon's worth $1.7 trillion. They have about 10 million sellers. Shopify came along. They're worth one-fifth or whatever, or one-tenth that. One point, uh, I mean, $180 billion, they have 1.5 million sellers. They offer a store as a service. So Amazon has a mall as a service. These became a store as a service because everyone's got a store now. Why only Amazon? We don't even require a store. I'll turn you into a shopkeeper without you having to fulfill a single item. You can take anything from our catalog anywhere in the world and sell it to your network and make money today. Right. So you guys are wholesalers. We're a network of networks. We are a, yes, distributor network wholesale network, direct commerce network, a direct-to-consumer or internet-based operating system for everyone right. to build businesses on and for anyone everywhere to make money because the internet is a single universal market network. I mean, this has been a pretty interesting conversation. I'm sure our listeners will have a lot of, uh, you know, additional questions and they'll probably be reaching out to you on social media but let me ask you this what's your future goal i know we talked about you you said you know the, you, you mentioned that this is where you want to start and you see how physical and spiritual networks can merge or something in the future but let me ask you directly like what's your future goal with awake vc specifically what do you want to achieve besides 100 million jobs what do you want to achieve in the next 10 20 30 years yeah well, how do you see yourself changing the course of humanity so I want to call it applied spirituality, you know, not just this idea of theoretical spirituality. I'm a very practical guy. I'm an engineer. Once I understood the true nature of the universe, I've built a system to distribute the abundance. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just say you understand the true nature of the universe? That's what meditation gives you. You understand mm. the nature of reality. Okay. That's what consciousness is. All there is is consciousness. You're conscious of your universe. There's no proof there's anything beyond your conscious and what you think about it. There's no proof. You'll never find a proof. 
because consciousness projects your own reality. And that's a fact. You can go to your dreams the world and see it also. You will not know it's a dream until you wake up later on. So the information about it being real and unreal both are inherent in consciousness as in a dream or waking state, you know. So right. once you understand these basic facts, there's no fear about anything, you know. You just have to build something that connects the truth to everything because everything is connected. Everything is one. So we connect everything to everyone, everyone to everyone else. And just everyone makes money together and does joy together. Makes you know, you give it for free, it's fine. You give it for ten dollars, it's fine. You give it for twenty, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's like depends on the buyer. If, if if this network of networks is so powerful, why can't we use it in other ways? Why can't we use it to try to achieve world peace? Why can't we use it to solve hunger? Why are we introducing the capitalistic mindset of okay, there's still profit to be made and splits? Why is it all about business? Because it has to transition from today to tomorrow. You know, so I cannot talk in terms of uh, tomorrow, in terms of today. You, you'll not understand the, the verbiage. So, uh, you know, the tomorrow is abundant. And you have to speak in words that people understand. So they understand business. They understand this and that. But once they realize that business doesn't apply because there's unlimited money coming through this network, then you can start doing things you were talking about, which is to help people, to be this, to be that, be artistic, be stylist. It's not about capitalism at all. This is about socialism to the degree that there's no difference between capitalism and socialism because this is all the people together finished right and i'm sorry we got derailed there a little bit so i was trying to ask you like what's the future plan for a week like what's the end goal here the end goal is the uh, what i said applied spirituality you know so to i want mm -hmm. to be very clear to everybody who learns about awake that this is applied spirituality there is nothing called theoretical spirituality there is no learning about spirituality and not being spiritual Spirituality means helping everybody. And I'm doing it at internet scale because I don't, that's what spirituality means. So I'm an applied practical man. To me, the goal is for everybody to see that anyone can help other people and make money. I want to start there because 100 million people need jobs right now. So I'm focused on what is immediate. And of course, who knows what the future holds, right? Right, right. Well, I want to appreciate you. It's, it's been uh, you know, very interesting and intriguing conversation we don't get a lot of these on the podcast so i appreciate you taking out time to be here um if people are interested in continuing the discourse with you are you on twitter are you on, on some of these platforms we just talked about how can people uh yeah uh, my first you? name last name at, uh, um on twitter you know amit uh rathor amit rathor at uh, is, is twitter url and uh, awake.vc you can always reach out and uh you know, there's lots going on. It's a, a technology that's indistinguishable from magic, and in, in the words of uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Technology indistinguishable from magic. Interesting. So on that note, I want to say thank you again for coming. As always, thank you guys you. can follow uh, Culture Class Podcast everywhere. It's cultureclasspodcast.com. And until next week, uh, be well. Thank you.